Thanks a lot, guys. Well, good morning. There are two types of people here today. Those that endured last week working in the heat and those that enjoyed the air conditioning. Who's who here? Um, so we're going to look around the crowd and those that are a little bit tired, we'll just make the assumption that you are the ones that were working in this heat and... Um, we, we trust that you will get your rest and be careful, and hopefully most of this heat is somewhat gone. I want to read to you a parable that Jesus told, and I want to read it to us, and it's found in Matthew chapter 25. And in this parable, I believe that Jesus tells us some nice things, or some great things, some great lessons on what it means for us and what will happen in our lives. This is the parable of the ten virgins. And today I want to talk to us about being prepared. And so let's read this parable together, Matthew chapter 25. I will start in verse 1, and we'll read all the way up to verse 13. It says this, At that time, Jesus speaking, the kingdom of heaven will be like the ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took, the oil, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourself. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the, ones who also, later the others also came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth. I do not, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. <clears throat> this parable, um, I remember way back hearing this parable and reading this parable and, and have read it many times since, but one of the things that it used to do for me, or do to me, is I felt that this parable was incredibly cruel. I felt this parable was very unfair. The situation wasn't right. Why would it be that the five who ran out of oil would be punished so severely for their shortcoming? As a matter of fact, we would justify and we would say maybe it could have happened to anyone. We might even say, well, why would the other five not share? If it sounded like they had enough, why would they not have shared? And, and we might even cast blame onto the bridegroom and we would say, well, it's his fault because he was so late. But regardless of Whatever questions we may have about this parable, the bottom line is this. Five were around when the bridegroom came, and five were busy with something else. Busy trying to get what they needed for when the bridegroom came. So as it is with most events, most stories, most everything, when we take a closer look at this parable we begin to see a little bit of a different picture. All the bridegrooms knew what to expect, 
or what not to expect. As a matter of fact, commentaries tell us most of the groomsmen were usually late. One commentary even said that it's almost a bit of a game. The wedding party would be, you know, at the place where they were getting married, and they were trying to see the groomsmen, the bridegroom coming, and the bridegroom would sort of try to sneak his way over there without being noticed. And, and different commentaries say that this was a humongous processional. This was something that, you know, involved all kinds of things, and, and people didn't mind if the bridegroom was a little late, and usually it was a little late because he was in part of this collecting of people. So we know that for those that were waiting, they knew what to expect, and they knew what not to expect. But when we look at this story more closely, we see that all the virgins were in the same situation. Nobody was in a different situation. These ten virgins were all sitting there experiencing the same thing. They all had the same resources available to them. It wasn't that some of them couldn't have bought oil or that they didn't have something to put it into because they all had the same resources available to them. They all waited the same amount of time. They weren't lined up along the street and those that ran out of oil were further down the street and that's why they ran out of oil. They all had the same amount of time. They all fell asleep. And lastly, they all wanted the same thing. Every single one of these virgins wanted the same thing. They all wanted to accompany the bridegroom to the wedding. So what was the difference? Why did five get to go and five not? Well, the difference was one thing. Five were prepared and five weren't. The difference was preparation. Five of them had taken time in preparation for this event, and five had not. What is it about preparation, the idea of preparing, that causes so many to neglect it? And I'm not talking here just about preparing in one area, you know, preparing to lead singing, or preparing to preach, or preparing to, to go on a trip, or preparing for whatever. Something about pre uh, preparing, preparation, we often tend to neglect it. As a matter of fact, we tend to neglect it so much that they've come, a word, or they've come up with a word to describe those who always neglect it, who always put it off. And it's called procrastination. I'm sure all of you know a procrastinator. When you ask this person to do something, you know they will only do it last minute. And so you wait, and some of you are elbowing each other and saying, yeah, how's dinner going today there, husband? Um, you know, so KFC should be busy at lunch. Um, but you know, we procrastinate, we wait to the last minute. Some people love to prepare ahead of time, and when that time rolls around, everything is ready. Now I must say, in this area, and in many other areas, this area especially, my wife and I, we are miles apart. We are like night and day. Last year when we went on our little trip um, to Europe, I don't think I would exaggerate to say that Maria began preparing packing about six weeks before we even left. And about three weeks before we're going, we've got suitcases open everywhere. 
And you know, the stuff for the kids, and the stuff there, and blankets, and this, and this. And she's making a list, and that list got longer. And then she had to make herself a list for a list, because there were so many lists around the house, and you had to walk slowly in the house so they wouldn't blow off the walls. And me, well, it was a little different. You know, next morning we're leaving, so that evening I need five of these, five of these, some of this. I've often shown up at trips with missing certain changes of clothes, and I won't mention what those were, but um, sometimes I didn't quite have everything with me. Um, we've had to go buy toothbrush here and there. Um, you know, sometimes I forget my shaving stuff, and um, I'm quite a sight when I don't shave for too long, and so I'll ask her if I can use her razor, and she's like, heck no, um, no way, go get your own, and so we have to go and, uh, you know, and make another purchase, Something about preparing. We tend to neglect it. Oh, we know this is going to come. We know this is happening. But I got time. Not always. This parable, amazingly, it spends no time criticizing anyone for falling asleep. And you can study this a little bit, and it's, it's an interesting little thing, and I won't get into it today, but... When the call came for the bridegroom, that the bridegroom was coming, and when that call came, some were prepared and others weren't. I want to look into today a little bit what is involved in being prepared. And in case you're wondering, what are you referencing here? This is stuff I came up with. And I'm trying to, we often, you know, I went online and I'm trying to find what, what's involved in, in preparation. And normally what people say, well, in order for, to prepare for a camping trip, you need this and this. And I'm like, no, what does it actually take to prepare? So here's my approach of trying to answer for us, what is involved in being prepared? Number one, in order to be prepared... You must do something now for then. And you might say, well, duh, that's preparation. No, you need to do something now for then. For example, if you were going on a flight, and you wanted to go on vacation, and you wanted to travel, and you decided, you know what, we're just going to put off getting that passport. You know, we'll just wait. We'll just put that, you know, there's a lot of other things to do in life. We'll put that thing off. And all of a sudden, you show up at the airline, and they're going to say, okay, where's your passport? Oh, yes, um, just a second. And then you quickly go and try to get a passport? Not going to happen. That is something that you need to do now for then. You might have a passport today and say, well, we're not traveling for a long time yet, but you'll need that passport now for then. There are so many other things like that. Packing is another example. Buying flight tickets, making hotel reservations, even making restaurant reservations you know, depending on where you eat. Sometimes you show up there, and if you don't have those things in place, you show up there, and they're going to say, sorry, we're, we're booked. We're sold out. There are things, in order for us to be prepared, that we must do now for then. Another thing that's involved in being prepared is patience. You might say, how is, uh, you know, waiting for something doesn't sound like you're doing much. It doesn't really sound like we're preparing patience. But sometimes our lack of patience begins to distract us. Because the event we want to go to, the thing that we want to do, the thing that we're preparing for, we're looking at it and saying, man, when is this thing ever going to get here? And because it seems like it's so far away, and 
you know, we become distracted and we start doing other things. And so patience is a huge part of preparation because not everything that we're preparing for is happening immediately. That's why it's called preparation. So patience is a big part of what's involved in being prepared. Another one, diligence, or being meticulous, thorough, careful. Paying attention to detail is so important in preparation. You need to know what you need And then you have to make sure you go and get those things. Knowing the needs and then fulfilling those needs. For example, if you're going to go for a night away in a hotel, or you're going to go for a night away at a camping trip, what you need is very, very different. What you need for the hotel is basically a change of clothes. Toothbrush and those things, most places will even give that to you. Camping? It's a little different. I just spoke at the, this um, Friday night, I spoke at a youth uh, camp, and it was just me, I left uh, everybody else at home, and so lucky me, I'm off all by myself and just spending one night, and so I decided, why bring a tent? What's the point? You know, and so I literally, this was my packing, I had an air mattress, a pump, and my sleeping bag. Off we go. And so I went into my van, and later at night, I folded all the seats down, and I pumped up my van, my air mattress, my van, basically, it almost blew up, and all of a sudden, this sleeping, I mean, this air mattress was a lot bigger than it looked when it was filled up at home, and it's up against the walls like that, and, you know, I finally, I crawl under there, and here's the ceiling, and I'm like thinking to myself, you could have maybe done a little better job preparing for this one, but I closed the doors, Closed all the windows and good night. Some of the junior youth leaders are thinking about a couple of years ago when I spoke at their camp and I slept in the trunk of the car because, again, I just didn't feel like preparing um, by packing a tent and all that stuff. But diligence, paying attention to detail, knowing what we need for what we're doing is so important. Investment is another one. Sometimes you will have to pay ahead of time for something that you're going to do a lot later. There's an investment that you make now. It costs you something now. There's a sacrifice now. But at the end, there's a great reward. I think an awesome example of this is a pursuit ministry. The young adults were going again to passion. That event is six months or so away. Most of those young adults have paid basically completely for this event. And some of them found it hard. They're going on the mission trip. And, and now you want money ahead of time. It's like, oh, come on. And But they've paid for this thing. They've made an investment so that they can participate in something later. Because I guarantee you, if we pack up in January and we drive over to Atlanta, we show up at the building where this event is being held, there's going to be one little sign probably in the door and it's going to say, sold out. Sometimes you have to make an investment to get in later. You have to pay a sacrifice. You have to pay a price early so that you can get the reward later. These are all things that are involved in being prepared. The last one I came up with in order to be prepared is vision. In order to prepare, you must remember what you are preparing for. Now, if you're like me, sometimes I get a little confused. I got this camp thing here. I got this camp thing here. I got young adults, young marrieds, and then I got that one, and I got this event, and all of a sudden you're sitting there, and you're like, what am I getting ready for again? It's like, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And sometimes we get confused. We, we lose vision. We lose track of what we are preparing for. We find ourselves maybe even confused. So it's very important in order for us to prepare properly, in order for us to know how to prepare, that we keep a vision of what we are preparing for, that we stay on track. This parable of the ten virgins. In this parable, Jesus is continuing on with this theme that He's been plugging into, this theme of readiness. Jesus is coming near, close to the end of His life and He is teaching His disciples what is involved in being prepared. And He's teaching His disciples what will happen so that when it happens, that they will be ready and that they will know how to be ready. He begins this parable. I already read it, but He begins this parable saying this, At that time the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now there's some debate about how these wedding ceremonies took place. But one thing that would happen is that the bridegroom would travel to the places, to the place, I should say, where he's getting married. And along the way, and this was no small event, along the way, there would be this procession of people following him. They would carry lamps. And the journey was often done at night. And these people were on their way to the wedding. Jesus is instructing us that this isn't just another story about an earthly wedding. This is about the kingdom of heaven. In other words, Jesus is making a very clear statement regarding His return. He is coming again as the bridegroom. And hence, the need for preparation. Being prepared is one of those things that we are almost accustomed to neglecting. It's sad. So often, when people aren't prepared, it's brushed off as, oh, okay, you know, we all have things to do. We've almost become accustomed to not preparing. We have little electronic things that do so much things for us now. Why is it then so important for these ten virgins to be prepared? Well, the answer is very simple. If they miss their chance the opportunity would be gone. The bridegroom would come only once. And then he would be gone. And that's what happened. Five of them, when they heard the call that the bridegroom was coming, and that he was in sight, and that he would be there shortly, they quickly went into town to buy some oil. And while the others they were prepared. They simply added the oil to their lamps and they were ready to go. And it was during this time, while the five were out getting more oil for their lambs, that the bridegroom came. And the five that were prepared, they went with him. And then it says, the door was shut. Once the five who had gone into town to find oil realized that they had missed their opportunity, that they had missed the procession. They made their way to the banquet hall. You can imagine their panic. They're stressed now. They're anxious. What's going on? And them running to this place, pounding on the door, hoping to get in as well. Open the door for us, they shouted. Five frantic women begging to be let in. Listen to the reply. 
The reply from the bridegroom was this. I tell you the truth. I don't know you. Why would he say that? Five women with lambs. Five virgins with lambs. Couldn't he put it together? Why would he say, I don't know you? See, the bridegroom would have assumed that those who should be in the wedding, at the wedding banquet, were part of the procession. His assumption would be that those who should be here are here. Because they would have been at the wedding procession. They would have made it to that very important procession. They were in the building. Those that were supposed to be there were there. As far as he knows, these are five women that are just stragglers. They did not belong inside. The people he knew were the people that he had that had joined him in the wedding procession. He did not know these five. Jesus ends this parable like this. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Jesus gives us a very strong word about His second coming. A very strong description about His second coming in Matthew chapter 24, verses 36 to 44. And I'd like you to turn there if you would. He says this, No one knows about the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the day of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark. And then, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two will be in the field. One will be taking and the other left. Two women will be grinding with their hands, with, with a hand mill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore keep watch because you do not know the day or our Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known, the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect Him. So I can tell you with all confidence this morning, Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. So I want to ask you this question. I'm sure you're expecting this question, but I want to ask you this question. Are you prepared? Are you ready? Or will you be like one of the five banging on the door? Let me in. Please know, this is not a message to scare you. That's not how you get into heaven. You don't get scared into heaven. God's love draws you there. But I want us just to take a moment now and go back through these five things that we said were involved in being prepared. And now we want to ask ourselves this question. What is involved then in being prepared spiritually? The first one that we said was that you must do something now for then. And I want to tell you that the something now that you need to do for then is invite Jesus Christ into your heart. You need to do that today if you have not. On that day, you will not have the opportunity. It will be gone. 
The something now that you must do that you cannot do then is you must invite Jesus Christ to come into your heart to be your Lord and your Savior. And He will answer that, we, that request. Listen to how Jesus describes this time, the end times in Matthew chapter 24, verse 30 and 31. He says this, At that time the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And He will send His angel with a loud trumpet call. And they will gather His elect from the four winds and from one end of the heavens to the other. How long will this take? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, the beginning of the last part of 51, he says, We will all be changed in a flash. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. You will not have time then for what you must do now. So how do you do this? You invite Jesus, as I said, to come into your heart. You invite Him to be the leader of your life. You give Him priority over everything in your life. You follow His teachings. You obey His commands that you find in the Bible. You invite Jesus to be your Savior and your Lord. The other one that we mentioned was patience. That you would need patience. So spiritually, we will also need to have patience. Maybe you feel like Jesus will never come back. You've been waiting and waiting and you've heard people say for years that, that Jesus was coming back any day. But when will that ever happen? 1983 when we moved here from Bolivia. And finally we were able to listen to tapes openly. And I remember at the Jansons they had this cassette tape there. And I would listen to this guy preach every single day basically because he kept saying Jesus is coming back. And he talked about how the crows were you know, doing this and this. And it just scared me so bad. And, and that was in 1983. It's now 2010. Almost forgot. He hasn't come back yet. We're going to have to be patient. Because we can so easily, in our waiting, get distracted. Listen to what Paul says to the Colossians in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 to 14. He says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance." and patience, and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For He will rescue us from the dominion of darkness. For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. If you're here today and you somehow think this thing is never happening, I want to encourage you. Part of being prepared 
is to have patience. Jesus is coming back. Don't get distracted. Don't become impatient. You cannot hurry this event. You cannot make it happen faster. And just one other thing with this, you should know. We talked, I talked to a guy this weekend about the rapture, and he had so many questions about the rapture. And I would like to say to you this, your rapture may not be the rapture. Every day we hear about car accidents. Every day we hear about deaths. Folks, it's so important that we not get distracted, that we remain patient, that we stay steadfast in waiting for our Lord Jesus to come again. We said that another thing that was involved was diligence. Being prepared or preparing for Jesus' return will mean paying attention to details. We will need to be diligent. We will need to be careful. We will need to make sure that we don't conform to what is happening around us. Don't lose focus. Know what you need and then make sure you stick with it. Matthew chapters um, 16, 24-27 Then Jesus said to His disciples, If anyone would come after Me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow Me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for Me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to the Father, for the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. We need to know what, are, what is required in order to being prepared. And Jesus tells us here, in order to follow him, we must deny ourselves. We must be diligent in this. We must be careful to do this daily. Another one is investment. Being spiritually ready is very different than going on a vacation. On a vacation, basically the only enemy that we have is finances. Most of us, our, our vacations are determined by how much money or time we have. But we are told that we have a spiritual enemy who is going to do everything he can to keep us from being prepared for the day that Jesus is coming back. This is why Paul tells the people in Ephesians to put on the full armor of God. He says, finally be strong in the Lord. Ephesians 6 verse 10. And in His mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can... Take your stand against the devil's careful schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual realms of evil in the heavenly realms. Uh, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And then he goes into this description of this armor that we are to put on. Be, being prepared will mean that you make an investment. You will need to be prepared to pay something. Being prepared may f- cost you something. Following Jesus will definitely cost you something. You will need to make a decision of things that you will no longer do and things that you cannot do any longer. You will need to make a sacrifice. You will need to give some things up. But remember, the investment that you make will be completely worth it in the end. For these young adults, 
buying those tickets now. And I'm sure it's a bit of a crunch. When that event is over, you watch them. They'll be like, that was awesome. And they will not be concerned one bit about the investment they made six months earlier. Friends, sometimes it feels like living for Jesus is so much, it requires so much. It really doesn't. But sometimes we're selfish and sometimes we we have to give some things up now. We have to invest now. But please know, the reward at the end will be completely worth it. We will be caught up with Him in the clouds. We will be with Him for eternity. There will be no fear, no pain, no weeping, no sorrow. And we will be with Him for eternity. Being prepared will mean that you make an investment now. And the last thing we said is that it requires vision. Keeping our eyes on what is to come. And again, I'll turn to Paul again when he's, he writes to the church in um, Philippi. He says this in Philippians chapter 3, 12 to 14. He says, Not that I have already obtained all of this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Never lose sight of the promise that Jesus made in John 14, verse 3. He says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Vision. Don't lose sight of that. Don't lose sight of the fact that Jesus has promised to come back. And in the midst of your complicated lives, in the midst of the the stuff that's going on, sometimes we can lose vision of that. We lose sight of that. We, We become overwhelmed by other burdens. Jesus is coming back. Never lose sight of that. Always be prepared. All ten of these virgins wanted to attend the wedding banquet. And I'm going to make an assumption. My assumption is this, that every person in this room wants to go to heaven. So my question is, are you ready? Don't be scared. If you're not, then prepare yourself. Invite Jesus into your lives. Allow Him to rescue you. God's love was so great for you that He sent His Son so that you could be ready. So take advantage of that. Be prepared. Don't wait. Because when that time comes, it will have passed you by. This isn't, like I said before, this isn't to scare you. But I think that we need to be more concerned about this. We need to remind ourselves daily that we need to constantly be in preparation. We need to constantly be prepared. And we need to constantly be helping others prepare. So I just want to conclude by saying this. If you've never invited Jesus into your heart, that is the something that you can do now for then. 
That is something that you can do here today. You might say, well, how do I do that? How do I invite Jesus into my heart? It's a simple prayer. You confess your sin. You ask Him to forgive you. You ask Him to cleanse you of whatever you're guilty of. And then you allow Him to lead you. You give Him authority over your life. You do the things that He wants you to do. If you have not done that yet, I want to invite you today. Invite Jesus into your heart. You can either come speak to one of us afterwards or or during the week, but this is something you don't want to put off. Because there is a time coming in the twinkle of an eye when the bridegroom will return. And if you are not ready, you will be passed. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you this morning for your incredible love. I thank you, Jesus, for your endurance and for your patience with us. I thank you, Jesus, for your investment. I thank you, Jesus, for what you did way back then for us now. I thank you, Jesus, that you never lost vision, you never lost focus of us. To the very end, even in the midst of the difficulty that you were going to experience, you prayed, and when the decision was that this must be done, you were faithful, Lord. Father God, I want to pray for each one of us. I pray that we would examine our lives, that your Holy Spirit would come and examine us. Lord, if there's anything in us, for any reason whatsoever, someone here today who is saying, I have not prepared myself. I am not prepared for that day. Father, I pray in the power of the Holy Spirit that they would surrender their life to you. That they would confess their sins to you. That they would receive your forgiveness. Oh God, you're so awesome. And we want to conclude here today by singing about your greatness. We want to sing blessings to your name. Father, you are the one who has done everything for us. And we thank you for that. We thank you for this beautiful description of heaven in your word. This place where we will go one day. But Lord, I pray that none of us here would leave preparing for your return, that we would do it now. We love you, God, and we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. If any of you want after, I'll just stick around here at the front. There are others around here that can pray with you as well. Please come. It's not pressure or fear-based. It's the love of God drawing you to saying, I must prepare for that day. Thank you.